God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. We're going to talk about church discipline, being offended, how the church should handle it, what we should do, and we're going to kind of do a couple of scriptures uh, that kind of deals with that. We've been dealing with that for a, path, for a couple of weeks, and I want to go back, and let's start at God, because that's the best place to start, right? right? God is always the best place to start when we're dealing with something, not what man say, but how God feel about something, okay? So let's go to Proverbs, start at verse 16. Let's see what God says. Proverbs 6, I'm sorry, at verse 16, <laughs> starting there. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Stop. There are six things that the Lord hates, and there are seven. The seventh is an abomination to him. So we can discuss what hatred is. Hatred is not the visceral hatred that me, me and you have based on emotion. There are six things that don't have God's love in it. Remember I told you, hatred to God is void of love. All right? So it's not a mad thing. If these things are there, my love is not there. You got it? If these six things you're about to name, if they're there in your heart, the love of God in your heart is not in your heart. And that's when we get to your love waxing cold. Okay? So let's see what God says. What are these six things that he hates? And one that is an abomination. Now, abomination is a higher level than hate. Now, abomination is something that God says, I'm going to do something about. They, these things where my love is not actually leads to the abomination. So say hate, hate. leads to the abomination. Just like betrayal leads to hate. Okay, go ahead. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Stop. So what's the abomination? What's the same thing? What's the last thing on there? Sowing discord among amongst the brothers. brothers. Now I want you, Freed, I want you to go through that list again. And, and I want y'all to visualize how it ends up as that you'll be sowing discord amongst the brothers. These six things that I hate, what are they? Haughty eyes. Uh-huh. A lying tongue. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that always want to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. A heart that devises wicked plans. Oh. Backstabbers, yeah. smile in your face, yeah. no. hug you but don't love you, mm -hmm. hug you but don't love you, talk about you behind your back, make phone calls about you when you're not around. See, each one is a progression. You got a lying tongue, your heart is going to be one that devises wickedness. A haughty look, you're arrogant. You think you all that in what? A bag of chips. Because you are you. A haughty look. 
This is mine. Me, mine, I. Look at me. It ain't going to get done unless I do it. Don't count on it. Because if I don't say it, it ain't going to happen. That's a haughty look. And a haughty look comes from one word, begin with a P, pride. See, all of this is an evidence of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And if you got a haughty look, you are exhibiting what? The pride of life. So this pride ends you up in this progression, thinking more of yourself than you should. That's why Paul was given a thorn in the flesh, that even though he was given the message of grace and salvation in my human flesh, I want people to notice me and not my words. So I get a thorn in the flesh to remind me, to keep me what? Humble. To keep me humble. That I don't confuse the gift and let my undeveloped character damage what God has given me. A haughty look, go ahead. Feet that make haste to run to evil. Now, you are so wicked, your devising, you're going to run to evil. You so deceived that you don't walk to evil, you don't turn from evil, you don't resist evil, you don't resist the devil and he shall flee, you turn towards evil, and you run. You can't wait to get to the darkness. In John, we learn that men prefer what? Rather than the what? See, y'all got y'all getting this. So when you run into people, saints of God, who act like this. It's a sad thing. Not only do you need to pray for them, but if you have any influence with them, you need to tell them to stop. You take them to scripture. Say, this is a progression. I see that you have a haughtiness about yourself. I see you're following Matthew 18. I'm going to point to you. This is what you're doing. You don't have to do that. Why are you doing that? What has offended you to make you do this? What has offended you to make you do this? All right, go ahead. A false witness who breathes out lies. A false witness. That means you want to lie on your brother and sister. And anybody else. Don't let it be. Hold up. You're more quick to lie on them because they're closer to you than you would to them somebody by on the street. And you're lying because you want to get what you want accomplished. You should be, I am surprised. But now I'm not going to read the scripture. Don't, see, that's what I'm saying. I don't get offended no more because it says it, this is what people do. So I am surprised that people lie on what I say. But then the scripture says, don't be, don't be, don't, 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 don't be so offended. This is what people do when they run into evil. So if I know that you run into evil and you're doing what that, the result is that you allow me, why am I getting so upset when I know that you follow your daddy's Satan? Ephesians chapter 2 says, what? We follow Satan, didn't it? We used to follow the prince of the power of the earth. We used to follow the Bible says, you're not following God, your daddy is Satan. See, when a, when a saint slips into this much debauchery, they are being deceitful and they're being deceived. And normally, under normal circumstances, they're not being deceived from here. They're being deceived from each other out here. They're sheep 
in the wolves' closet. Okay, go ahead. And one who sows discord among brothers. Now the last one is the abomination. All that leads to the point where you are so bitter and so evil and you do so many things that's dishonest that your only point is you want to grab other people and put what that's in you in them. Souls. Not soul. Souls. Plant seeds. Plant seeds. So if I plant a seed, I'm expecting a what? So if I plant an evil seed, I'm going to get a what? Evil harvest. If I plant a lying seed, I'm going to get a what? If, I'm a, if I plant haughtiness and arrogance, I'm going to get a what? So the fruit is going to represent the kind of seed that I plant. And the Bible says, you know what? A tree buys what? This is what God said. This is what he don't like. This is what he calls an abomination. So you need to check yourself. Now let's go to Matthew 24. Let's start at verse 8. Let's just start at verse 1. Let's get the full picture of this. Let's start at verse 1, Freedom. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So when he, he makes an observation in a statement, he says, Look, I'm looking at the beauty of the temple. I'm looking at the beauty of the church. And the church has become the, the temple. The religion of Judaism has become so wicked. Now, this is on the back of, if you go back to chapter 23, this is on the back of the widow's might story. Okay? I'm not telling you to go back there, but if you go back, this is on the backs of the widow's might story. That the widow gave all that she had to live on. And then observation, he says, look, this got to come down. See, we use the widow's might story to convince people to give what they don't have. Y'all done heard the story. They use it as a virtue of Christian giving. But you're not even reading it with your, with your natural eyes, let alone your spiritual eyes. Why would a good religion take all from a widow who don't know how to nobody take care of it? God ain't never required that. That's what Judaism had become. A religion that convinced the widows, the widows, the ones that don't even have a husband. And just as important as the husband is now, can you imagine how important the husband was back then? Because a woman wasn't even, even human. She was property. If she didn't have sons and a husband, she was dumb. Think about the story of Ruth and Naomi and Esther. Think about all the stories. She had to get a husband. She had, she had to go find her boys, didn't she? Because if she didn't, she was going to be destitute. And this is what I'm trying to point out to you. On the back of a religion that would take everything, Jesus said, this has to come down. Well, you have the same situation in church today. When you have what we have in Matthew, in uh, Proverbs 6, if you have that in Proverbs 6, if you have that in Proverbs 6, 
of what God detests, if that's the practice of your church and your life, it got to be torn down. God can't let that stand in front of him. He can't let abomination continue to dwell in his house. He can't let it. Jesus said, this got to come down indeed. In 70 AD, the temple was destroyed, and it has been destroyed to this day. Right now, ain't no temple in Jerusalem. There's a mosque over where the temple is. All because they were disobedient and evil and would not take care of one another. Even Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you what? Love each other. But if there's hate, there's a void of love. If there's envy, there's a void of love. There's not love in a church or in church people who don't know how to love. I don't care how many religious services you go to. If you get on the phone and gossip, you will sin it. Look at gossip like you do fornication. See? Look at gossip like you do all the mother sins you say everybody else do that you don't do no more. The ones that God has delivered you from. Now you just got issues. But some of your issues are still sinful. And if you practice, if you have anything of that Proverbs chapter 6 in your heart, you, you better be careful because you might be on the way to an abomination and not know it. But if you got any Holy Ghost in you, any of the Spirit of God in you, God is going to shake you and wake you up. And God tells us that he chastises those he loves. Some of you are going through what you're going through because you've got some issues that are sin in your life. My job is just tell you. My job is not to judge you. Let God be your judge. I'm just telling y'all what God say. Get mad at him. Some of the problems in your pastor's life may be due to the fact I have some sin in my life. Amen? Some unrepentant sin in my life. Now, I'm not a hypocrite here now. Because no. a hypocrite would say, I ain't got nothing, y'all got everything. Right. See, a hypocrite, see that's, see, that's what I tell people. The church should be full of hypocrites because what we're trying to do is we're trying to get them to just tell the truth about themselves. The Bible says when you go to truth, the truth will set you what? So if I say you got problems, I got problems, everybody in church got a problem. There ain't no hypocrisy in here. We all got problems. And we all got sin. Let's be more specific. Let's be more ugly. We all got some sin in our life. Because the Bible says if you say you have a sin, what do you say? And? See? See how it all puts fix, starts fitting together in y'all's mind? Look at y'all. Y'all becoming y'all pastor. Y'all don't even know that. Y'all can run it down. Amen. All right, go ahead. Read. Verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when we will see when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. So there were many people that will come to say that I'm this. Now this is on the leader side. There were many preachers that's gonna come, gonna go, they ain't gonna just say they preach about Jesus. They're gonna say they're the deliverer. They're the Messiah. Say many will come in his name. Many means over a period of time. 
Koresh, Manson, all them people, Jim Jones, all of them claim to be Christ. And they did deceive many. Jim Jones deceived to the point where they drank the Kool-Aid, as we say. But he claimed to be the Messiah. See, this is the, this is the sad part and the good part. People are searching, but because people are searching and don't have any reference to the truth and prefer darkness, they are apt to fall into something that is truly detrimental to their spiritual health. Something that's going to kill them from the inside out because they're searching in the wrong place. They're searching to belong. And we're, talking, we're, not, and we're not talking about uneducated people that fall into cults. Most of the time, it's the educated people that fall into cults because they don't have no common sense sometimes. God never required that you check your common sense at that door. But let no preacher tell you that. God never required that you, that you vacate your mind to get the spirit. The Bible don't say nothing about that. The Bible talks about renewing your mind. So if you renew your mind through the Spirit of God, and he said even with the Holy Spirit, he said the Holy Spirit would never come and testify of itself, but will always lead you back to me. So all this Holy Spirit talk that we do, how do you get back to Christ when you concentrate on the Holy Spirit so much? When you just said the Holy Spirit will testify of me and tell you all things about me. The Holy Spirit's assignment inside of you is to keep you focused on Jesus. All this other stuff y'all want to do, he ain't doing it. You got to get the main thing right before you get the other stuff right. You got to get the main thing and the plain thing right before you get out there in the stratosphere. And I just like being right in the middle. All, all that extra, I need the basics. Even he said in the Bible, he said, some of you ought to be teachers by now, but you got to go back and be taught the elementary things. That's in Hebrews. Well, you don't have to go back if you just stay right there with the elementary things. Just stay there. Elementary things are the good things. But you can't teach nobody until you teach the elementary, until you learn the elementary things. Read. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Okay, that's been going on since Jesus left. Go ahead. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. So now why are you run around buying these books about the end times and you worried about the wars going on? You think the end time are coming because Trump in office? I don't know the end times are coming when Reagan was in office. The end times come when Bush was in office. The end times come when Clinton was in office. The end times come when Barack Obama got elected. The end times going to come when a female finally get in there. We've been waiting on the end times since time began. And all of them have been wrong because he said, I'm not going to tell no one, not even the sun knows. The, now watch this. The Messiah knows, but the Son don't. And you say, well, they're the same people. Yes, they are. But there's the humanity of, the, of Jesus, who Jesus is. See, what was in Jesus was God. Jesus was flesh. And what he's telling you is, what you're asking me is to ask the Spirit of God. And I'm telling you, the man part of me don't know. That don't know. The flesh part of me don't know. And I'm not going to be told until it's time. Because he's not coming back as no spirit. He's coming back as, a, as flesh. In a glorified body. Whatever that may be. But it won't be spiritual to the point that you can't see it. Okay? You'll be able to feel him, touch him. You know what I'm saying? You'll be, you'll be with him. But you have to understand. Don't be deceived. So don't be alarmed. So why are you so alarmed about what's going on in this world? Why are you letting, why are you letting CNN and them get you scared? 
Everybody's worried about them little kids buried uh, in uh, Thailand, whatever, under the flood in the cave. They got them all out. Yeah. I said, have you ever thought that they was building the hype to build ratings up because they knew they can get them out? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they got everybody out. I knew they was going to get everybody out. One had to die. One of, the, one of the divers died because he made a miscalculation on the air. But I'm saying, I just trust God. If God wants them out, he'll make a way to get them out. He'll make a way to get them children out of there. God's saving children every day from all kinds of stuff in this world. You just don't hear about it. It's more popular to tell you that a, that a child got shot and died than a child got, got shot and lived. Okay, children get shot every day. But why are you alarmed by what's going on in this world? You shouldn't be. Read. But the end is not yet. The end is what? Not yet. Say the end is not yet. The end is not yet. yet. Say God, it ain't over. Until you say so. Until you say so. Read. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pain. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So why would you be hated? Because he's the same. Yeah. Because you're a follower of Christ. So he can't be talking about the non-church age. He got to be talking about what's going to come for the church age, right? These things will happen before the end of the world. So this is about the church. You're going to be hated for whose sake? His name's sake. All right? Go ahead. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Stop. Many. Remember I told y'all what many? Y'all going to hear it again when it's played? Many is more than 50%. Many will fall away. Why? Because they're being persecuted because they have Christ. See, when you be, are being persecuted for following Jesus, that means you're not going to be able to get a job. You're not going to take care of your family. They might even put you in an internment camp. And guess what? Before you let all that happen to you, you'll say, you know what? I'm not a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Peter did it, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I ain't who? Me? Jesus? No, not me. Uh-huh. Who you talking to? Then she came to him again. Then he cussed. What you mean? What, the heck? what you mean? <laughs> I ain't with Jesus. And then he felt bad because Jesus said, you deny me like that. See, that's the problem. We don't know what your limit of stress is, what you can take. Many will fall away. Many will not stand up for Jesus. And those who fall away will attempt to make others fall away and betray them too. See, the betrayal will come is when you got people doing... uh, Proverbs 6, they'll turn on each other. I watched it. I watched it. Right in church. Means we love company, so somebody get in trouble, they're going to tell somebody else to make it easy for them. Hello? You did his children. Mother, I know you experienced with them children. Hold on. One daughter get in trouble, she telling everybody else. You didn't ask about everybody else. You the one got caught. They don't go like it's me and only me, and then nobody else do nothing. They'd be like, mm-hmm, uh, uh, Jeff did, I did it. <laughs> they have to be getting the Ma, oh, oh, they're gonna get Michael and Felicia, huh? 
They was drinking the milk too. They helped me eat up all your cookies, Daddy. But I'm the one with the crumbs on my mouth. I'm the one got caught, but I won't see spread the beating around. And maybe by the time you get to me, it won't be so bad. Don't start with me first, start with them. But you that's betrayal. I was in it with them, but now that I got caught, I want to tell on them. We do the same thing. Because the first person was deceived to do something they were supposed to be doing. Now I'm going to come along because I got caught in my betrayal. Bring you along, but that breeds to hate. Hate breeds takes you back to Proverbs 6. Lack of love. Lack of love. Now you are up for being deceived and you fall right into Proverbs 6. You on your way to committing abomination. You on your way to sowing discord amongst the brethren. You on your way to being disunified. You on your way to not coming together with Christ. You on your way from turning your back on the power of the Holy Spirit. You on your way to quenching the Holy Spirit. All because you don't want to deal with it. Go ahead. Yeah, every day you got bread. You mess around. No, no, let me get this straight. If there's some other, and I know they preach this, if there's unrepentant sin in your heart, you're going to go to hell. No, we don't believe that. You're going to die with something you repent for. But Jesus died for all your sins. He didn't die for all your sins and say, if you don't repent. You see what I'm saying? Repentance is something he gave us as a tool to use to get in the right fellowship. But if repentance is mis- it's not done, I need some mercy and some grace, don't I? Which he died full of. So he died for that one sin that I may not repent for. Look at me, lying already. For the many sins I might not repent for when I die. You follow me? He died for them. And he's powerful enough to forgive me. Okay? He's powerful enough. His, his blood is powerful enough to cover a multitude of what? My unrepentant sins. But, but repentance is a gift for us. It says in Romans 2 and 4, when you know the goodness of God, it should lead you to repentance. See, when I understand that God has been so gracious and merciful to me, and I need, and I'm practicing Proverbs 6, and I'm going down that road, I, then the Holy Spirit jerks me and stops me, and I start getting whooped by God, God said, repent. When he's whooping you, that's what he's telling you. Repent. Yeah. Repent. Repent. All hell broke loose on my job. It ain't your job that's the problem. You done did something you ain't supposed to be doing. You got an attitude that, that you ain't supposed to have. Repent. Repent. You do everything else. You say, I'm going to bring some more money to church. I ain't asking no money. Repent. I'm going to take the pass some food. Yeah, he ain't asking y'all to give me no food. He trying to get y'all to fall on y'all knees and repent. Because you understand that his glove is so vast and so good that it should lead you to say, God, I am sorry. I shouldn't be acting that way. What I'm saying when I repent is God, your way is better than mine. Yeah. There's a way that seems right unto a man, and there's a way that seems right unto God. But God's way is the right way. His way leads me to eternal life. My way leads me to what? Death. Yeah. Separation from God. Read. Verse 11. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Okay. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So this is what happened. You create your own version of what you think God wants you to do. And because you've done this and you are actually in the reprobate stage, you're actually in the, in the Proverbs 6 stage, you have created a law in your own mind. 
Okay? And then what happened? The love that you did have for Christ, it will become cold as ice. No love at all. It'll wax cold. Think about when wax get cold, it get hard, don't it? So in essence, it's giving you a look at what, so she to give you something natural to compare. Just drop some hot wax on a piece of paper, on a plate, and just sit back and watch it. It don't stay liquefied, do it. Because the heat is gone, the fire is gone. And the minute the fire is gone, it start hardening up. It start hardening up back to its original state. That's that's scary. Because the Bible tells us our heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it, right? Our heart is hard, right? So our natural state of our heart is hard like a candle. But when the fire of the Holy Ghost and getting saved come to that candle, it starts melting that heart, don't it? But if you do the wrong thing and tilt that wax, it'll form right back up and be hard again. That just came to me right now as I was talking. Thank you, Jesus. The natural state of a candle is hard. I'm about to do that one more time. I'm about to bring a candle and show you. You know, I can illustrate stuff to y'all. I want y'all to go home and do that. Look at the candle and say, this is how my heart is before I come to Christ. The fire of the Holy Spirit, when I get saved, it lit. Light that candle. And it begins to whittle down. And spread. If you notice, if you go out there containing that wax, it spread. Think about it. The fire makes the love of your heart now spread around. Because if you don't have nothing containing that, if you just sit on your table, it'll form a big circle, won't it? Yeah. Burn all the way down. And all I'm saying is a, 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 a heart that's not controlled and governed by God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit, is just like a heart that never came to God. It's hard. Okay, read. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. You will make it through. This is not about salvation. What he's saying to you is, if you can endure this and believe in what I just said, if you endure to the end, then you won't have to worry about some things. Because you're going to be saved, you're going to be with Jesus, and you're going to make it. But you got to go through this thing. You got to go through the times when your heart is wax cold. But you don't have to stay in that state. That's the beauty of it. You can quench the Holy Spirit in you, but you can't put it out. Not a true Christian. Yeah. Amen. Not a true follower of Christ. You, Christians can't sit and be evil all the time. That's impossible. You love God too much. Amen. You can't sit and just be gossiping and talking about people all the time? Why not talk about Jesus like you talk about people? You ever thought about that? Do you talk about Jesus like you talk about people behind their back? Do you whisper people? Do you whisper to people about Jesus? Yeah. Are you quick to run? Your feet run to evil? Shed blood? Cause division amongst the saints? Are you quick to be the abomination? Are you so quick to just run to the abomination, be the abomination that God says he that hates, that's void of his love? Are you quick to forgive and try to build up? But see, we don't know how to do forgiveness and truth and all that all in one. We don't know how to do that. What we want to do is forgive and never tell the person the truth because that's the easy way out. Where there's no truth, there's no grace. There's no point for it. If the truth not t- is there, 
and an offense. Either that you do it or it's been done to you and the truth is not brought out, there's no point for grace. Because nobody, because it's swept, it's swept under the rug. Nobody want to deal with it. That's our problem. We don't, we think it's a Christian virtue not to deal with stuff. We think prayer is the beginning and the end of something. Prayer is the beginning to get us up to do something eventually. Our problem is not praying. Our problem is not relating on God. Our problem is that we wait on God to the point we don't do nothing. And God said, I gave you every heavenly gift, every heavenly power. I gave you the authority. And you won't, still won't do nothing? That's why gifts get taken from you. He said, I gave you the gift of discernment. Say something. I gave you the gift of love. Say something. I gave you the gift. I gave you the gift. What are you doing with your gift? Sitting on it, waiting for you to do something with it. What I give it to you for? I could have did it by myself. See, that's the problem with the church. We don't want to deal with that. We want to make everybody happy. I'm not here to make you happy. I, I, and I'm telling you the truth. I said to somebody today, I said, if everybody leave me, I'm going to tell the truth because that's what I've been called to do. Y'all make a decision. Y'all don't want to be under walking truth, under Pastor Sutton. Y'all can throw me out if you want me to. And follow somebody else. That's fine with me. As long as I can look, up, look in the mirror and say, God, that must have been part of your plan to be like the rest of your prophets. You know, all them prophets died alone in the Bible. You know that, right? Sadly alone. The people that they came to help and save did not appreciate them until they was gone. That's us. They don't appreciate you until you're gone. What they say about the water? That's right. You don't appreciate the water until the well run dry. Go ahead, read. We had what? Matthew 24, 13, 14. Start at 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Mm -hmm. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So in other words, this gospel got to go all over the world before the end comes. This gospel. Not that gospel, this gospel. Not another gospel, this gospel that's in the word of God. That has to happen. Before the end of the world. So you ain't, got no, you ain't got to worry about it. You don't know enough about the world to even be concerned if it's getting around the world. It's going to get there. Just worry about it. Has it gotten to you? Has it gotten to you? All right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's see how we're going to deal with this. Because we pretty much know how we're supposed to deal with stuff in Matthew 18, right? Mm -hmm. You go to the person. Do you take two witnesses? Okay. So we just read. We just read kind of how it unfolds, okay, how it unfolds. But now let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now we have, now listen to this, I want you to understand, I want to build this up. Jesus was talking about what was to come after he died, right? So Paul is in the middle, is in, the pro, in that process, say process, process, of what's going on. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Paul's in the middle of this process. So what, what Paul, what we're about to read about what's going on in this church it's part of what he said here in Matthew. You see what I'm saying? He said these things must come to pass. These issues must come to pass. Now, we don't know they're going to be very. It says we fall into diverse trials and temptations, right? This is just one of many diverse. But you're going to see a word in this that's the problem. Now, we said earlier that the problem was what? Begin with a P. Pride. pride. Say it again. What's the problem? Pride. Okay, we're going to see how pride manifests itself in this church as far as the Corinthian church. Read it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. Stop. So the specific manifestation of sin 
is sexual what? Immorality. And it's so devastating that it's not mentioned amongst even those who ain't even saved, the heathen. Okay, now, lust of the flesh, pride of life, lust of the eye. So sexual immorality contains some lust of the flesh, don't it? We know that for a fact, right? Let's see what else to say. Read. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. What? Now, in your versions, somebody got another version? What is the word for arrogant? Puffed up. What's another word for arrogant? Anybody got another version? What does it say? Where, where she said arrogant, it's the words puffed up in the King James. Mm -hmm. What is it in your book, mother? You got the. Uh, it's still arrogant. It's still arrogant, okay. Okay. Now let me ask you this. Arrogant, puffed up. What is it a form of? Pride. Pride. So the root problem, the manifestation is sexual immorality, but the real problem is what? And pride leads you into Proverbs 6. Eight. Your arrogance, the haughty look, didn't just say it, did it? But if the manifestation of this sin is its sexual immorality, you can put anything in front of her. Drinking, lying, fornicate. In this church, is actually this sexual immorality of adultery. But it can be any of those things. See, we missed, everybody missed that. He's saying, you arrogant about it. You walk around popping your collar about the sin as if you don't care. We just saw that in Proverbs 16 when you start down this road. You don't care. And Paul is not talking about something he knows. This has been what? Reported to him. So this thing am not telling your pastor what's going on? That's not good. Because if it had damaged the body of Christ, I need to know. And I need no names. Don't give me no story for me to figure some stuff out. Because if you're, if you're, don't, uh, but don't lie on nobody now. And if you ain't got all the facts yet, hold your peace. But if you know for a shadow of a doubt, and it may affect this body, you need to tell me. And let me decide what to do with it. You, what you done done is do what's right. You handed the ball off to me. You ain't got to worry about it. You just keep praying. You pray for me and you pray for them. And if I decide to do nothing, realize I did not hear what you said. I've got to wait till, the, till God tell me what to do. Because God said, i got the power to bind them or loose them. So I'm not going to just run on what you say and kick somebody out of the church. Right. But Paul said, this is fact. And what Paul say do to them? They should be removed on the time of they should be removed from where? Among you. Among you. The what does yours say? What King James say? This is in okay. And that these have done this deed might be taken away from among you. Among you. So they may be taken away, they be removed from among you. Which means you can remove them from fellowship. Has nothing to do with their salvation. It's there from among you. The evil so ugly that you need to remove them. How many pastors want to do that? None. None. Yeah. 
Mr. I'm going to follow Paul and Paul is the example. Paul said, I heard about it. And if it's and I believe it's true. Look, get rid of them. Paul ain't even there. Paul said, I'm, uh, what? Oh, yeah, get him out of there. Paul said, get him out of there. Some books say purge them from among you. Get rid of them. Why should we get rid of them? Read. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Now, Paul is pronouncing judgment on the pride and what to do about the pride and the sexual deviation. But he doesn't pronounce condemnation. I'm going to prove it to you. Keep reading. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you come to church in the name of the Lord Jesus. Go ahead. And my spirit is present. And my spirit is present. With the power of our Lord Jesus. With our power. What he's saying is, when y'all, you know what? When y'all have church, which y'all going to have this Sunday, and I'm not going to be here, my presence is still here. I've been not here to talk to different than you folks at. I'm still here. My spirit don't leave when y'all gather together. Matter of fact, you need to be more concerned about me when I'm not here than when I'm here. Because I expect the same respect for everything that we do and the way we love. So when Sunday comes, I expect the same thing to happen. No deviation. No attitude. I, I want to hear about love. Like when y'all go to the nursing home on first Sunday and I'm not there. All I hear is good reports. That's what I expect. My spirit is still there. Go ahead. You are to deliver this man to Satan. You supposed to do what? Deliver this man to Satan. Hold on. That, Paul say that thing with pride is so deep. I want you to deliver that. And it's metaphorically to Satan. Basically, he's telling you, kick them out. Kick them out. And hold on. Not only why you're kicking them out, take them somewhere. Take them to deliver them to Satan. He doesn't mean actually deliver them to Satan, okay? What he means is make it so severe that they will feel like what? They've been delivered to Satan. So don't make it easy on them. Turn it back to them. Turn it back and cry and mourn. You don't do it because you're happy. You do it because it's a sad day because you didn't want to get rid of them, but you got to for the, for the sanctity of the body. Read. For the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. See? You do it so they may be saved. So guess what we're saying? This person is doing this kind of stuff may not be saved yet. And if you recognize that they are a person who sold discord amongst the brother, you get rid So that the spirit of Lord can what? Save them. So not only may you may be helping them if they save people acting this way, but they unsaved folk in the church, they might want to do the fellowship so much they might be saved. You deal with their flesh, and pride is a thing of the flesh, right? We just said, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. All that are attributes of the flesh. So you deliver that prideful person out of the church to deal with their flesh, because you hope that their flesh has, see, this is what you hope. That their flesh is so strong in them that they want to be with you, even though it's, it's a fleshly thing, that they can't stand it. They want to be back with you. And you pray that while they want to be back with you, while they're out there by themselves, the Lord will come save them. 
Let love get in their heart and start dealing with their heart and, and put that fire in their heart. And for a saint, put that fire in their heart that's, that's already there, but you got to deal with it. Okay? You got to deal with it. So that's what I wanted to clarify. So doing Matthew 18 is not about kicking somebody out of the church just because we can. Matthew 18 needs, when it gets to my stage, needs to be done prayerfully. And if it gets to my stage, that's when y'all need to pray for me so I can make sure that my purpose for kicking them out is to one day hopefully restore them back. Now let's, we're going to finish up. Let one, let go one more verse, Galatians 6 and 1. Let's go to Galatians. Now, the Bible says we just read so that they can be saved. But now we got Galatians 6 and 1. This is Paul again dealing with the Galatians. Okay, six and one, go ahead. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are spiritual, who you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now think about this. One verse and Paul tells us to get rid of them, right? This verse say restore. Let me tell you the difference in this verse about a Greek translation. We know that this was an act of pride, right? In in uh, Corinthians. Right? We all agree that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was an act of willful pride, right? This word in the Greek is not as strong as that. This word in the Greek is somebody made a mistake and they was tripping. And they transgressed against you. And your feelings are hurt. And if they get and if, and if they repent, go ahead and restore them. Because that is not this. What's in Galatians is not what's in Corinthians, okay? Now, if they repent, we can use Galatians. But Galatians specifically is about somebody that's just, you know, you got mad, or, you know, somebody said something you didn't understand or misunderstanding, and you didn't get mad, and, and y'all not at odds with each other, restore such a woman. And gentleness and kindness, go ahead and say, you know, I must make, you know, I must have heard you right. What are you really trying to say? Because I interpret, see, Pastor Sims right. It ain't about what I say, it's about how you can interpret it in your own mind. Lord knows. I've been around and around with y'all on that one. <laughs> you know, I can say some stuff and y'all be like, this is what he said, and I ain't say nothing like that. Yeah. No, y'all even close. Because <laughs> y'all start y'all start talking amongst yourselves, and next thing you know, I just said something. I'm like, is that how y'all interpreted what I said? So I, I always try to clarify what I mean. Because I understand that. Even with me. When Stacey says something to me, I got to say, did you, okay, I heard what you said. Did you mean that? Stacey tell me, no, that ain't what I meant. Okay, now tell me what you mean. Because I don't understand what you said. Do you want me to do this or that? No, I don't want you to do that. Well, you said this. But it's my ears and what the verb she used, the word she used, it may be a misunderstanding. But do we stay angry with each other? No, we restore one another in meekness and in love and gentleness. So that's what I wanted to point out. What happened in Galatians can be used when a person repents. But you don't restore somebody who's not repentant to the fellowship. Now, this is not restoring a person to leadership. The Bible never requires us to store somebody to leadership. Leadership has to be earned when you violated it. I'm not saying it can't be. I'm just saying this is about fellowship. And actually, fellowship is more important than leadership. If I'm not your pastor, I still want to be part of y'all's body. You understand? It got to do with me being a pastor. I want to be around y'all. So, yeah, I'd rather lose the pastoralship to be fellowship. So, like, if I was getting, let's say I was getting reprimanded for something or punished for something, Pastor Sims, Randy, Minister Butcher, let me see who else. 
them three, and Apostle Gail, have the right, by what I have told them, that, that you have the right to make me sit down. Don't kick me out of fellowship. You take the pastor thing from me. Don't kick me out of fellowship. But if it requires that, do that to save me. You understand what I'm saying? We'll do what you think is necessary to save me. So there we go. All right? So let's pray. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you for your word, for clarity on understanding. Lord, we do not look forward to kicking anybody out of the body of Christ. But Lord, you've given us authority to do so that we may save them. Yes. That we may bring them back into right fellowship with the saints. Lord, let us not be led down Proverbs chapter 6. Let us not let, if we have any of that in our heart, Lord, we ask forgiveness right now. Because we don't want to become an abomination to you. Lord, thank you for your chastisement. That if we do start going astray in our minds and our hearts, you will chastise us because you love us and bring us back. You will whoop us with what we need. Each, each person here has a special whooping that God gives them. That my whooping is not like your whooping. Your little whooping is not like my whooping. But the whooping all has the same purpose. Yes. It's to bring us back into fellowship. Yes. So, Lord, I thank you for the whoopings that you've given me. Yes. I thank you for the correction that is spoken to me by the saints of walking truth yes. who come to me and say, Pastor, can I talk to you? And, I, and, and this is what's going on. And this is what I believe. And I have an ear to listen to what they have to say. Because the same Holy Spirit is in me is the same Holy Spirit that is in them. And thank you, Lord, that they are able to follow direction, correction, and instruction. Yes. Lord, I thank you today yes. for all those who are going to listen to this message. And Lord, I thank you for another beautiful hot day yes. here in St. Louis. Amen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in. This is Pastor Teacher Dr. James Sutton of Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church. You can contact me at WITMIN at yahoo.com or Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church Facebook. My phone number is 314 629 0024. You can send your tax deductible gift to Walk in Truth 7852 Milan Avenue, M I L A N, St. Louis, Missouri 63130. Thank you for tuning in and have a blessed day.